Welcome to Chatterbox Hub. This podcast aims to be your go-to resource for insights, advice and engagement with all things audio and not only. I'm Yulia Stancheva and I will be your host in this episode. In this podcast, I have the absolute pleasure to chat to Gabriel Porras, an award-winning Mexican voice actor who lives in London and adores the city that has been his home for more than 30 years now. Gabriel is an exceptional voice talent and such a natural storyteller both in English and Latin American Spanish. With his wonderful dulcet tones and depth of emotion, Gabriel equally voices beautifully animations, films and toys, as well as he narrates audiobooks, museum guides and documentaries. That voice has been opening doors for him for more than 20 years as a radio DJ and television anchorman, leading dozens of advertising and educational campaigns across Europe and Latin America. Today I talked to Gabriel about his time at the BBC World Service, about his love for London, music, philosophy, arts, books, character work, the craft of storytelling and much more. Stay with us and get yourself immersed in Gabriel's vibrant, colorful and exciting world of wisdom. Hola, Gabriel. Hola, Julia. ¿Cómo estás? Muy bien, mi amigo. <laughs> and that's all for me. Fantastic. That's, that's really good anyway. That's a good start, isn't it? <laughs> that's a very good start. Well, welcome to my virtual studio. It's such a pleasure and honor to have you here with us. Thank you. I should be saying that it's lovely. Thank you for you to, uh, for, for inviting me. It's just lovely to be here. Gabriel, I always wanted to ask you, is there a secret formula to your amazing successful career? Definitely you have a huge amount of talent, fortified by your warm, earthy voice, mixed with dozens of hard work and a pinch of humor and professionalism, steered with your creativity, efficiency and versatility. And oh, of course... <laughs> the- blushing, I'm blushing. I can't see you, but I can feel you, the energy. <laughs> Come on, reveal us the secret formula. <laughs> that's, that's very kind of you, uh, Julia. As you were going through that amazing list, I, I, I'd say it's all of the above. Plus, uh, yeah, hard work and, and, yeah, getting the opportunities, the right opportunities. It can make or break your career to get the right opportunity at the right time. I, I came into voice work by accident. I was studying philosophy and classics, and that, I still love philosophy and classics. I still read and write on, mm, on those fields. Interesting. And, um, but uh, because I knew a lot about music, because my final thesis in, in philosophy was actually on music, because I was just desperate to get back to music and, from the books. So I managed to contrive that my thesis on philosophy uh, when I graduated would be on, on the philosophy of music. And that gave me the chance to read a lot of beautiful uh, theory about music and understand uh, better why and how it impacts us so deeply. There's, there's, there's no deeper language available to humans than, than music for really getting to our soul. And, and it's a beautiful thing. And because I knew a lot about music, they invited me to a radio station. We got chatting. I can chat for hours about music and they liked <laughs> me, me and they invited me again and again and again. I, en- I ended up being the main presenter for the radio station, which was lovely. And that's how I ended up in this business. Well, amazing. You have worked for the BBC World Service as a journalist, producer and presenter, where you set the world record by being continuously present in the programming every day of every year for more than 12 years. 
What is the greatest thing that you recall about these times <laughs> at the BBC Mexico? I worked for the BBC, yes, but it was here in London. They hired me in Mexico, so the BBC went looking for talent around Latin America because they wanted to boost up their, their uh, Latin American section in the, the World Service. I was the guy from Mexico. They, they, they hired that, uh, that time. And uh, so the BBC brought me to London. I was um, uh, working for the BBC for the first six years of my stay here in London. I've been 32 years in London now. More than wow. half my life I've spent in this beautiful city. I love, love, so love London. Can you call yourself and, uh, more Londoner than Mexican? <laughs> well, I, I've spent more time here. Oddly enough, in, in that sense, yes, I guess if, if, if that counts, then uh, definitely I've spent more of most of my life in, in London. So in that sense, yes, I guess I'm a, I'm a Londoner and I'm delighted because it's a wonderful city. It's, well, of it's course, nobody joy. can steal Mexico from your heart. No, why should they? <laughs> exactly. <laughs> Absolutely. No, it, it never would happen. <laughs> I am definitely, I'm very Mexican Londoner. <laughs> you came to London because BBC, BBC World Service brought you in London. At that point, I was working for radio stations in Mexico City, and I was beginning to produce my own series uh, because I always wanted to create my own scripts and, and, you know, have my own editorial mind on, not just sort of the presenter, but actually be the director as well, etc., etc. So I always, always have that. And when you're in that business, you're in a local station, you're a presenter, you're a producer, and suddenly... The BBC comes and offers you a job. It's, it's like the highest possible level. You know, it's like suddenly, you know, Steven Spielberg. You know, you're just playing little little uh, local theater bands and, you know, little panto and whatever. And suddenly Steven Spielberg or, you know, whoever you think is, a, is a, an important director comes and offers you, you know, a stellar job. It, it was like, wow, I just couldn't believe it. So it was wonderful. Wonderful, It's very wonderful. prestigious, absolutely. And absolutely, yeah. Mm -hmm. Can you describe in few words the best times um, that you had at the BBC? Mm, it was, uh, there were lots of uh, wonderful things. Uh, producing my little series, again, once I, I was with the BBC, I was officially a journalist because they wanted us to, to act more journalistically. And uh, so, you know, lots of news, news programs which are so stressful and so unfulfilling most of the time. It's, it's just lots of work and lots of mad rush because you have to meet the deadline. And, you know, people switch on to hear the news at 9 a.m. or 8 a.m. And they don't want to care. They don't know, they don't care that your wife had an accident, that your child had toothache, that you had to drop the car somewhere because there was a bottleneck and, and run the last five blocks as, as has happened to me. And then you arrive in front of the microphone and trying to catch your breath. Good morning. This is the 8 a.m. news. Mm -hmm. Welcome. And, you know, you close your mic and, and keep trying to catch your breath. It's, it's, it's exciting, it's wonderful, etc. But, uh, frankly, I haven't missed that part of the job. <laughs> and thankfully, you know, I carried on as a presenter. You are narrating the BBC documentary series about Mexico, Earth's Festival of Life. Mm -hmm. And um, I've watched some of them. Some of them, I must say, that you have so much warmth in your voice, which makes you such a great natural storyteller. It almost feels like you are a father figure who holds my hand and takes me on the journey. <laughs> so, Come on, Julia. It's, 
definitely you have mastered the craft of storytelling. Is it a talent that you get born with or is it something that you can acquire with a lot of training and practice? I, I, you know, quite frankly, I, I think with, like with any professional skill, it's a bit of both. So, you, you, yeah, it's great when you have a, a natural talent for chatting, for story, for, you know, expressing things in a way that makes them attractive, compelling, inspiring, hopefully. Uh, but also, of course, you know, it's, it's like, like singing. You can be born with a nice voice. Like sports, you can be born very athletic, very fast. Uh, with acting, you may be, you know, good as a child doing little impersonations and, and you know, little plays, uh, improvising little Christmas plays for your family or whatever. But you still have to go and train. You know, for all your incredible natural talent, for whatever you had when you were born, you need to go and put it to work. You know, you need to go and, and, and train it and develop it and, uh, and perfect it. And then it's, it's great. To me, the great inspiration in storytelling specifically was my grandma. Mm. It's, it's beautiful when we remember what our families have done for us. And my grandma was a wonderful, wonderful woman. We only got to see her once a year because she lived in a different city, 800 kilometers away from, from us in, in northern Mexico. And, uh, but she was so wonderful and she was such a good storyteller. She would only tell you Bible stories because she was a very, very lovely, devout uh, Christian. And I admired that of her as well. And that was another inspiration, very important in my life. But she was so good at telling you Bible stories that we would switch the TV off happily to listen to her telling us stories. So if she was going to tell us a story, we couldn't care what was on TV. It was not as good. So she would tell us, you know, and that's how I first uh, started um, developing a fascination with the Bible as well, which uh, remains to this day. Was done. Mm -hmm. Absolutely, that was you know. I thought, wow, so wonderful to just sit down and, and and listen to somebody evoking all these images, all these emotions in your mind, in your heart, in your body. Because when 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 somebody's good at, at storytelling, that's what they're doing. They're they're they're. I, I don't want to say manipulating because it shouldn't be. It can be manipulated. But they're just stirring your emotions, your attention, suddenly opening your mind to, oh, gosh, I hadn't heard that. So even, even when, it's, when it's a story you know, and it's a story that, yeah, it happens, you know, A, then B, then C. You probably have heard a story like, you know, like the Christmas story. You, you've heard the story, you know what happens, you know, Scrooge, you know, the nephew, you know, you know, blah, blah, blah. But every now and then, somebody manages to read it in a way that, wow, it mm -hmm. comes to life. And that's what it is about. When somebody makes you see the story in a different way and makes you mm -hmm. feel like you're part of the story, it takes you on a journey and you feel so involved with it. Absolutely. It, it, and it's wonderful. And that's why you go back to that people. You, you know, to that person, because yes, you they want more. They made you believe. You want more of that. Yeah. And, and, and it's a wonderful, just such a wonderful talent. Well, you have studied philosophy and music and you also have a broadcast um, background. Did you also have an acting training to help you become better in your character creation? Uh, yes, I've done a lot. 
I never went to drama school as such, because as I said, I was doing philosophy and, and, and classics and then uh, yeah, a bit of music and, and, and other things. But um, I, I've taken hundreds of workshops and, and, and uh, you know, with, with uh, different people, uh, you know, wonderful trainers, wonderful uh, coaches. I've had one-to-ones, I've had group sessions, I had, you know, I, for, for a couple of years, I was almost every day at the Actors Center here in London, mm. which is a great resource and, and quite uh, accessible, quite a great idea for those of us who are not uh, sort of young people with no responsibilities, no uh, need to work, et cetera, et cetera, and can spend all day in drama school. It's, it, you know, the, the, the Actors Center, great resource. You know, it's it's more like for adults or 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 actors who just want to polish up and brush up and come back to a group situation and you know do a bit of improvisation, etc. And then I've done yes, improv uh, workshops with with great uh, coaches here in London and uh, etc. So it's, that you it's, have worked with so far. Ooh, on on voice work on on actually care and use of the voice, Yvonne Morley. Okay. Make a note because she is fantastic. Yvonne Morley, wonderful uh, speech therapist, coach. Uh, and, you know, she taught me how to scream mm. safely. And, and you know, she had us screaming for two, three hours solid. And at the end of that, my voice was perfectly fine. No tear, no tiredness, no, etc. And, and that's a great skill. Because once you you go to that extreme, as you know, it's, it, screaming is the most dangerous thing we can do as voice professionals. It's a very unpleasant thing for anybody yeah. <laughs> on whatever profession. But for us, it is required often. You know, I voiced one of the, the toughest assignments, professional jobs I've ever done. The scariest. There were two or three. There, there are two or three very scary things that I had to do and really you know, breathe deeply and prepare myself, et cetera, et cetera. One of them was Hasbro, the toy company, chose me to voice the Hulk for the toy. So they, they have a toy of the Hulk, and I'm the voice in that. And you have to go really deep and scream it. And, uh, you know, I'm not doing it here because I don't want to deafen you with, with uh, screams. But but it's a very very scary thing because you I I knew if I get this wrong I'm gonna be out of action for a month or two possibly because it's really tough. But uh, there are ways to do that, and you know I had a wonderful Hasbro have their own studios there near Heathrow uh, uh, here in the outskirts of London as well, and and the studio manager was a wonderful man, and he was so on the side of the actor as in. You know, there are sometimes, you know, studio engineers that just want you to, no, no, do that again. No, there was a little noise. Oh, no, no, try now this way. And, you know, and you've done it 20 times and your voice is absolutely in shatters. And and they still want you to, to try again. No, 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 no more passion. No more, you know, shut up. It's a delicate physical organ you're talking about, your voice. Even if it's a deep and, and, and rich and... and uh, Otherwise, you know, strong, healthy voice, you can easily, you know, within a minute or less, you can be, you know, uh, completely voiceless, I, I should say, because you injured it. Yes. And it's a muscle, you know, it's like a muscle, you know, you can injure your arm, your leg, you were running very happily and suddenly you have a, a pull, a tear and, and you're limping. 
And the same with our voice. We have to be very careful. Anyway, that, that session turned out beautifully because the, the engineer was very conscious, very on, on my side, God bless him. So we had agreed we, we will only do three takes per sentence. Because, you know, there were sentences, short sentences, because that's what toys do. It's just, yeah. you are going to make me angry. You're not going to like me. Angry. <laughs> that sort of thing. So we had agreed that we would do three takes of each, and then I would take a rest. And then we would come back. You know, we had about 10, 12 lines to do. So we did make full use of, of the hour, even though the sentences were, you know, seconds. But we did stretch it, et cetera, and it worked beautifully. So, you know, there's a way to do even those very tough uh, uh, jobs uh, that um, it makes it uh, possible to, yeah. to, to survive and come out of it. You know, with with uh, uh, with a feeling of of uh, accomplishment. Gosh, that was something I'd never done before. I'd never been the Hulk, and now you know it's lovely to have a toy that my little boy, when he, you know this is a few years back, uh, five six years ago, he was still very young, so he was delighted to have the Hulk, and it was his dad, in in you know when he pressed the button to hear the voice of the of the Hulk. It must be very proud moment of you. Yeah, there are jobs that are a bit more, uh, yeah, rewarding in, in that sense. Not that they pay a lot. I feel sad for so many people who come to voiceover thinking, oh, what a quick way to make a buck. You know, right, I don't even have to leave my job. You know, and, and then at night I come and record for an hour and I get paid hundreds of pounds. Mm, well, it's not the case. It's not the case. Yeah, even if you're You know, you've been working for 30 years, like I have 30, well, 35 years, if I count my years in Mexico before I came to London. You know, it's still just low pay. Most of jobs, most jobs are, are frankly, you know, low pay. You, you, you wouldn't be able to survive. The, the big ones, as, as you know, any professional voice is commercials. Yeah. Commercials are the ones that save your, your tax year. Really, literally, if you don't get commercials, and, and by that I mean a big, proper TV commercial that will be broadcast nationally or internationally, you, you, you're not going to be able to, to make a lot. Can I bring you back to the time when you were the lead presenter for the International Olympic Committee at uh, the London 2012 Olympics? What an honorable mm -hmm. and exciting experience it must have been for you. Did you meet and work with any famous people at the Olympics? Yeah, that was another very scary job. That was another, oh, Lord. Uh, there, there was a team of us uh, here. They, they were recruiting Spanish-speaking presenters here in London. And, and they managed to put together a team of about 15, 20 of us. And then they brought people from Latin America, et cetera, et cetera. We were doing Latin America. Uh, which is 20 nations. It's, it's a very good market. This is, this is something, a, a great blessing I have, that I work in English, which is a phenomenal market. You know, in, in, in some respects, it's, it's the largest market, the most international possibly. But the Spanish-speaking market, especially for Latin America, is actually bigger in number of speakers, etc. So, so it's, it's a massive, massive market. And, and companies are becoming to finally, finally, Uh, becoming aware that uh, actually we should be covering this market. We should be using uh, Spanish for Latin America because there's so, you know, it's, it's just a huge market. It's, you know, 500 million 
at least. So yeah, to go back to the Olympics, it's it's just a huge responsibility. And and they chose me out of the team and, and wonderful sports presenters. And, and that is a phenomenal skill. I so admire a good sports presenter, one of those guys that really get excited and, and make it fun. Again, it's storytelling. And, you know, they're telling you obvious things. Oh, and now the ball is in the back of the net. Ah! <laughs> yeah. yeah. I mean, I mean, he's not telling you any secrets. You can see the ball in the back of the net. But his presence, screaming and shouting with joy, the ball is in the back of the net, makes it 10 times better. If you see the TV, if you see that match with the sound turned off, it's not even remotely as exciting as it is with a big, loud, proper, good presenter. And, and, and that is a phenomenal skill uh, that, uh, you know, I deeply, deeply admire. And I studied uh, very eagerly for about six months prior to the Olympics. And then, uh, but, but then we had to do, you know, I was chosen to do the opening ceremony and the closing ceremony and wow. the, you know, the, the award ceremonies when they're actually, you know, giving medals to the, to the sports uh, people. And, and uh, it's just a huge responsibility because it's a three-hour broadcast. It's three solid hours chatting and trying to remain concentrated and remain, you know, on top of your game and be interesting and, and add a little more uh, detail and a bit of spice, and but at the same time, not just be, you know, sounding like you're reading a script, but actually, you know, being very aware of what's going on so you can make a comment that actually has to do with the, your being present there in the stadium. It is an art. You voice Frida Kahlo's audio guide for Tate Modern's exhibition. I have listened to a short excerpt of it, and I must say, I love it. Are you yourself a fan of Frida? And have you been to the Tate Modern to see the exhibition and to listen to your own audio guide? <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, yeah, I am a big fan of Frida. I think she was an amazing person. Not uh, must have been a nightmare to live with, you know, like well, a lot of those gen- great geniuses, great artists that uh, really kept pushing themselves beyond endurance because they were just so either so committed, if you want to speak positively, or so stubborn. But uh, they end up producing this wonderful, at the end of their lives, this is their legacy, and it's phenomenal. The best Frida Kahlo Museum, actually, and the best collection is, is you know, Madonna apparently is the, the largest individual collection uh, of Frida Kahlo works, but but there's a museum in Mexico City, the Dolores Olmedo. Mm. Dolores Olmedo was a big, big um, patron of the arts in those days. They were talking about the 1930s to 50s in Mexico. Uh, she was the greatest patron of the arts, and she managed to put together a stunning collection of both Rivera. As you know, Diego Rivera was the, yeah. the famous guy. He was he was John Lennon, as it were. And, and then Frida was just tagging along like Yoko Ono except that Frida is mega talented. Uh, you know, so, so Dolores Olmedo, uh, and there was a very funny little tug of war between them as women because they were both competing for Diego's attention, etc. And Diego was phenomenal at doing that sort of thing to, to uh, women around him, uh, which is amazing because he was particularly ugly physically. He was just, it was just his, his sheer force of personality. But anyway... It's, it's a wonderful thing. If you ever go to Mexico City, do not miss. And of course, La Casa Azul, the blue house, 
which is Frida's own house. There's a one, by the way, uh, you know, there's a wonderful um, tour, virtual tour you can do. You can, you know, watch on your computer because this is this is on a website. And it's, you know, the, the, the La Casa Azul, the Frida Kahlo virtual tour. And it's stunning. This is it's such a beautiful house. Again, that's a must when you ever go to Mexico City. But that was beautiful. And yeah, it's lovely to have that experience of having recorded an audio guide and then go and visit the exhibition. Mm-hmm. And yeah, you're guiding yourself through each one of the uh, rooms and corridors and 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 it's, it's very odd because you're telling yourself and now turn right <laughs> and look at the third at the third painting on the left you will see that it's got a frame like this and you'll find a person standing there you know on, on the on the painting but when you're recording this you're not seeing this because it's not even up yet we are recording this from a script and just trying to give the impression that we're there etc this is part of the art It's, How does it's it feel wonderful. to see or, or and hear your own work in its completed form? It is, it is wonderful. It is, yeah. Of course, it is, it is a very odd uh, double way to, to enjoy uh, an exhibition, particularly when it's an artist you already liked and, and, and knew about, and etc. I had the privilege of, of uh, uh, you know, not only with Frida, but also with Diego. Diego had an, a great exhibition they did a few years ago in the... Royal Academy as well, the Aztecs at the British Museum here in London. Uh, also, you know, in New York, you know, I, I had exhibitions at the Met and uh, the Whitney Museum of, of Modern Art, etc. And um, and then, yeah, being in New York and, and getting the guide and, yeah, it's me. I did the, oh. the Statue of Liberty. I did the Statue of Liberty actually as well. Uh, a number of other other uh, things it's you know audio guides are a lovely a lovely beautiful uh, thing to do next and, time uh, when i'm in new york and mexico i'll definitely look out for your <laughs> audio guides <laughs> oh, wonderful that that'd be great i, I like hope you're still using with me <laughs> uh, absolutely yeah i'll I'll, I'll tell you all about it. Yeah. <laughs> you were nominated for One Voice Award for Best Male Animation Performance in 2019. And I have had the pleasure and honor to work with you in the studio for a test recording for a Japanese anime. I must admit, you are an incredible voice actor who can voice any character from superhero to monsters, from animals to aliens, anything. In one of the recent projects with the BBC, you are even a turtle. Oh, hey, Deggy. <laughs> Tell me more about this. Uh, again, a beautiful, beautiful uh, uh, job, that one. Yeah, it came out of the blue. You know, one agent calling me and saying, you know, they, they need somebody to voice this. It's a turtle. Are you interested? And yeah, why not? Let's, let's try. And yeah, it ended up being so much fun. And if you are having fun and you manage to convey that as a storyteller, or as an animation voice, it's, it's, uh, it's, it's great. If you manage to infuse the image with your spirit, with, with your commitment, with your passion, it's, it's a third reality, as it were. It's no longer just your voice, because you end up creating, once you yeah. mix the, the music, the voice, and, and the animation, it's a third dimension, as it were. It's just beautiful. It's, How do you uh, rehearse for characters? Oh, it's uh, sadly, and you know, this is just part of the thing. Uh, most of the time, they don't give you a chance to rehearse. 
which is very cruel, especially with games. You know, they just call you on because they have this neurosis, and often it is sheer neurosis that somebody may steal their idea. You have to sign a non-disclosure agreement that you will not tell anybody about this new game, that you will not tell what the plot is and who the hero is, et cetera, et cetera. And fine, you know, I can understand part of that. The problem is that because of that, they're so worried that somebody is going to come, a competitor, and, and steal their idea for their new game, their new whatever. They don't let you see the script in advance. Yeah. Or, or, you know, just, you know, you arrive at the studio and there it is. And, you know, you have two minutes Often, it's two minutes to now stand up in front of the mic and deliver, uh, which is cruel because I know I could have done a much better job had they given me, you know, just an hour. I, I, I don't ask for more, but but often that's the case. And and yeah, so a lot of it is, is improv and, and just being there and being silly. Just, just forget that you are in control. You need to try and look at this, uh, the lines and then just forget the studio almost and just go with it. And sometimes it works and sometimes it doesn't. Sometimes you will flop miserably and, and just sound and look ridiculous. Yes. But you need to be willing to go there. If you're not willing to make a fool of yourself, to try crazy things, don't. Just don't waste anybody's time. Hmm. Because they need you to be brave. They need you to be. And a good director, a good casting director knows that. And they will respect your, uh, they know what you're doing, if they know their sauce. Because, you know, a lot of them, sadly, are just little bureaucrats that, uh, oh, no, I don't like it. Oh, no, next, next. Aww. You know, and they don't even tell you why, how, uh, you know, they gave you no directions, whatever. It's, it's, a, it's a cruel game. It's a very cruel game. But then, again, when it works, it's magic. And it's, it's a... Uh, it's a beautiful thing. So you need to be able to mark your script immediately, to just read it and at the first read saying, okay, the emphasis is here. I'm going to cut here. I'm going to stop here. I'm going to slow this one down. You see what I mean? It's you, you have to immediately in your mind be saying, okay, this goes fast. This goes short. This is the drama. Where's the punch? What's the, what's the key word in this sentence? What is? What if I twist it this way? Hey, you, silly boy. I'm going to kick you. That's the line. And, and the, you can do so much with that. Hey, you silly boy, I'm going to kick you. Hey, you silly boy, I'm going to kick you. <laughs> or just say, hey, you silly boy, I'm going to kick you. You know, th there's, there's so much. It's just the same words, but uh, that's where... It all depends where, on the character, really. Uh, yeah, yeah. And the moment in, in, in you know, yeah. the circumstance, the scene. Yeah. What's, what's happening right there. Yeah. And uh, so it's, it's a very... And the problem with animations and with film is you don't know the story. You don't know the character. You're just there. They give you, throw the script and, at you. And uh, you're having to jump into the void with this character because, you know, sometimes they give you a little uh, animation, a little drawing at least, and give you a few details. But, you know, out of that, you have to create it and they expect you to create it because they themselves haven't seen it. You see what I mean? They've been planning for it. They, they drew the little uh, uh, picture. They, they gave you a few details. But this is, this is still a fiction in everybody's mind. It's not happened until you, the actor, come and Bring give it, it flesh life. and bones. Yeah. So, so it's, it's, it's a very delicate uh, but uh, wonderful uh, experience, of course. 
Let's talk about audiobooks. You are nominated for One Voice Awards for Best Audiobook Performance 2020. Audiobooks is one of the things that I haven't done yet, but this is something that I really would like to voice as I love reading books, not just to myself, but to my kids too. So Mm -hmm. what would be your advice to someone like me who is new to audiobooks? Oh, again, uh, be ready for a long, long week or two as you work on on, on your book. It's it's not for the faint-hearted. Again, that notion that, oh, a career in voiceover is so easy. You just come and, you know, switch the mic on and that's it. You speak, you know, three lines and they pay you hundreds. No, 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 not at all. It's, uh, you know, especially audiobooks are, uh, they they require a certain type of personality. And I say this with all respect. Audiobooks are a beautiful, beautiful, beautiful realm, but it takes a lot of work. It's concentration. You have to be willing to lock yourself in often. Most of the time it's going to be you on your own in your studio. You're responsible for delivering the files and you're responsible for this. And you're tackling this text and sometimes it's not a great text, quite frankly. You know, sometimes it's phenomenal and, yeah, that's a joy. But sometimes it's a bit clumsy. Sometimes it's a bit boring. And you still have to go ahead and do it. So it's it's not for the faint-hearted. It's a beautiful thing. I've only done a few. It's, it's not been my forte. What and, are the um, most exciting audiobooks that you have recorded or the ones that you have loved working the most? Uh, well, that one that got me the nomination was a brilliant story. That's, that's a very good story. Uh, it's called The Other Americans. And it's it's I'm I'm just a member of the cast. Thankfully, I got nominated, even though I I'm, I'm just doing a number of I do like eight chapters I think out of the out of the book. But that was a, a beautiful, interesting text. I read lots of texts because I want to do this for my podcast. I have a podcast, and and basically I I don't interview people. I I bring in my heroes from literature, and I read their work. And so, so my podcast has been my chance to do text reading, you know, great classical texts. I, and I've read a lot of, you know, South American, Latin American uh, authors, but also some English-born authors like Chesterton, for example, passages of the Bible. The Bible is so rich in, in, in stories and content. So a lot of that is in my podcast. And, and the, the best ones, the ones I really most enjoyed are those that I've chosen and produced myself in my podcast, can I say, radiantwhispers.com. Radiantwhispers, one word, dot com. So it That's is. the one. And it's also in Spanish because mm-hmm. everything I do for the podcast, there's there's a, a mirror reflection in Spanish. So everything you hear in English, you also have available in Spanish and vice versa. Fantastic. Well, you have had some incredible experiences in your life, like bumping into giant pythons and tiny chameleons in the jungles of Madagascar, into bears and arctic foxes in the snow and tundra of northern Alaska. You have swum with two whale sharks into giant manta rays in the Indian Ocean in Seychelles, and you have crossed the Sahara Desert in Morocco and walked into Temple of Luxor in Egypt, to name but few. Wow, wow, wow. To recount all these amazing ad- amazing adventures, we will definitely need to bring you back in the studio and maybe have oh, a, that, that, a, different, be a, joy. a different conversation. But how all of these experiences have shaped your perception of the world and of life itself. And you're a philosopher, as you say, so I'm sure that all of these life experiences have helped you to shape up your philosophy about life. Oh, wow. How long have we got? Uh, it's, yeah, it's just been wonderful. Yeah, and traveling has been one of the greatest joys, no question, yeah, for experiences like that. 
It's, it's been, I've never been to Las Vegas. I don't ever intend to go to Las Vegas. I don't ever intend to go to Dubai or that kind of, that kind of thing. I just couldn't be interested at all. But yeah, you know, islands and strange sort of ancient cultures and all that, I just enjoy. This is a stunningly beautiful, delicate, diverse planet. And that is worth celebrating and and visiting. But also mankind, mankind, human beings like you and me have created some phenomenal, phenomenal monuments and buildings and cities that uh, are also just awe-inspiring. And to me, yes, that means there is part of God in us. We are that good. We can create beauty that lasts. And do you mind if I bring you back to something uh, that is not so wonderful? I know that you're uh, one of the people who has been in a tight and scary grip with COVID-19. And um, you have been saying that you had a strong faith. But what helped mm-hmm. you go through these such difficult times? And was there any positive takeaway for you? I know in your podcast, you talk about the lessons that you have learned. That's right. Yes, I, I, I recorded a whole episode on my podcast on my experience with COVID. Yes, I, I went down uh, late March into first half of April with COVID-19. Thankfully, thankfully, yes, my faith in God, prayer, the prayers of my friends, my family, uh, and I had hundreds of friends around the world praying for me. But also, yes, my own appetite for life, my, my love of life, my, my not wanting to give up and, and just keep going. I talk about all this in, in, in uh, RadiantWhispers.com. There's a whole episode there about uh, how I, you know, my, my experience with COVID-19 and the lessons I, I learned from it. Would you be able to, to wrap up this, in, this chat with a good positive lesson for all of us that you're happy to share with us? Oh, wow. Life is so stunningly beautiful. Let's shake off anything that is slowing us down, hampering us, making us miserable, making us uh, difficult to live with. Anything that is just clutter in our spirit, in our mind, in our lives. Let's get rid of it and walk free and with our face looking at above, you know, and, and, and keep aspiring to greatness. Thank you so much, Gabriel. That is such a beautiful and positive message that we are sending out to the world out there. Thank you so much for being such a wonderful guest. I felt like I was swimming in an ocean of wisdom. And I would definitely <laughs> love to bring you back in this podcast. You're so sweet. Thank you, Julia. It's been a pleasure and thank you for inviting me. This podcast was brought to you by Chatterbox Voices, hatched, presented and produced by me, Julia Stancheva, with special thanks to my wonderful guest, the award-winning Mexican voice actor, Gabriel Porras. Thank you for listening to this show. If you have enjoyed it, please do leave a rating as this really helps our podcast grow.